Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of 1 Timothy. Today is episode 683, and we're looking at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 2b through 10. Let's read the passage. Teach and encourage these things. If anyone teaches false doctrine and does not agree with the sound teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ and with the teaching that promotes godliness, he is conceited and understands nothing, but has an unhealthy interest in disputes and arguments over words. From these come envy, quarreling, slander, evil suspicions, and constant disagreement among people whose minds are depraved and deprived of the truth, who imagine that godliness is a way to material gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and can take nothing out of it. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into a temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, and by craving it some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. This is Paul's letter to Timothy. Paul has left Timothy in Ephesus to deal with the problem of false teachers. He encouraged Timothy to focus on leadership within the church because Timothy can't fix things in the church on his own. He needs leaders within the church, but he needs godly people to be leaders. And so he talked about the qualifications for leadership for overseers and deacons. And he talked about how to deal with various groups within the church. Now he's wrapping things up here in chapter 6. And if you look back at chapter 1, there's a very distinct correlation between chapter 1 and chapter 6. The first two verses of chapter 1 were just the introduction. So if you look at the rest of chapter 1, that is verses 3 through 20, and compare that to what we've got still to go in chapter 6, so verse 2b through 21, there's a real distinct parallel there. The, the opening statement in chapter 1, he said, I urged you when I went to Macedonia to remain in Ephesus so you may instruct certain people not to teach false doctrine. Here he opens with teach and encourage these things. So he talks about instructing here. He talks about teaching back in chapter 1, the next paragraph, basically, verses 4 through 7. He talked about the false teachers. And here in verses 3 through 6, he's talking about the false teachers and basically the position that we take. In chapter 1, it was love. Here it's godliness. Then he starts talking about the misunderstanding. In chapter 1, the misunderstanding was about the law. Here the misunderstanding is about godliness and wealth. Then later he talks about the contrasting model. Chapter 1, he talked about how Paul's conversion and calling came about. Here he restates Timothy's command. Then both of them look back to the role of the historical Jesus. Then there's a doxology. And then here there's an instruction to the wealthy. And then a restatement of Timothy's commission. So the real clear parallel between chapter 1 and chapter 6. There's a lot new in chapter 6 and a little different take on many things. But how he opened it talking about the false teachers and dealing with it. Now he's closing it, talking about the false teachers and how to deal with it. So 
teach and encourage these things. Well, what things? Well, probably everything he covered essentially through chapter 5 and the first part of chapter 6, which was dealing with the various groups. The older men, the younger men, the older women, the younger women, the widows, the elders, and the slaves. These are the things that Timothy is to be teaching. In verse 3, he says, If anyone teaches false doctrine and does not agree with the sound teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ, and with the teaching that promotes godliness, he is conceited and understands nothing, but has an unhealthy interest in disputes and arguments over words. Very similar to chapter 1, where he talked about false doctrine does not agree with the sound teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ, the teaching of the gospel. In chapter 1, though, he linked it to love, the correct teaching, he said, was grounded in love. So sound teaching based on the gospel, rooted in love. And he said that comes out of purity of heart, good conscience, and sincere faith. Now here, he talks about sound teaching of Christ and teaching that promotes godliness. So here he's more talking about the outcome of this sound teaching, where in chapter 1 it was the basis of the sound teaching. The basis was love. And some characteristics of that were the, the pure heart, good conscience, and sincere faith. Here, it promotes godliness. So the outcome of sound teaching is godliness. Verse 4. So he's not following that. He's conceited and understands nothing, but has an unhealthy interest in disputes and arguments over words. So the basis of the false teaching, here he talks about its unhealthy interest in disputes and arguments over words. Where in chapter 1, the basis of the false teaching was myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculation. Then he continues in the rest of verse 4 and 5 of talking about what the outcome of the false teaching is. The outcome of the solid teaching is godliness. But the outcome of the false teaching, he says, from these, that is the false teaching, come envy, quarreling, slander, evil suspicions, constant disagreement among people whose minds are depraved and deprived of the truth to imagine that godliness is a way to material gain. Well, where the basis of sound teaching is love and the outcome is godliness, well, the basis of the false teaching is disputes and arguments and myths and endless genealogies and speculation. And the outcome is all of this evil activity, these chaos amongst the people, the exact opposite of unity. And these minds are depraved, that is, they're led astray, deprived of the truth, meaning they don't know the truth, it's all based on a lie, and they imagine that godliness is a way to material gain. So what does that mean? Well, godliness was a good thing. Well, here he's using their concept of godliness. And these false teachers who are posing themselves as teachers of the law, they are saying that they are godly. And the material gain must look to, they're trying to get material support from the people around them. So they're passing themselves off as the real teachers, the true teachers, the faithful teachers, and trying to get material support from the people of the church at Ephesus there. So they imagine that godliness is a way to material gain. So it's an absolute misunderstanding of godliness. Number six, 
Paul responds, but, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Now here Paul's using godliness as real godliness. Real godliness with contentment is, is great gain. So he repeated godliness and gain from verse 5 to verse 6. They're, they imagine that godliness is a way of material gain, but godliness with contentment is great gain. So real godliness is much better than material gain. There's great gain. Well, what is the gain? Well, the gain is a relationship with God, right standing with God, service to God, walking with the Lord, unity with one another, contentment in life. So there is great gain in godliness. Well, what is godliness? Well, godliness is living a life that matches the sound teaching of the gospel, living a life in a close relationship, a growing relationship, a healthy relationship with the Lord based on the truth of the gospel. So godliness with contentment is great gain. Now he's going to provide a, a critique of the desire for wealth and contrast that with contentment. Verse 7, For we brought nothing into the world and can take nothing out. This statement matches things you'll find in, in much of the wisdom literature, in Job, Psalms, Ecclesiastes. You'll actually find similar statements in non-biblical wisdom literature. It's just a, a wise saying. We brought nothing into the world and can take nothing out. The point there is anything we have in the form of material stuff, it only works while we're here. You can't take it with you. And so it's temporary by definition. We bring nothing into the world. We take nothing out of the world. So view all material things as temporary for the here and now. Verse 8, if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. So the point here is that to be content with essential needs. And as contrasted with those who desire wealth, those who want to be rich. Verse 9. Those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. He continues verse 10, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, and by craving it some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So is it wrong to be rich? Is that what he's saying? No, he's not saying it's wrong to be rich. He's saying it's wrong to make that your heart's desire. And so here it's all hinged on desire, those who want to be rich. There's a temptation there, a trap, and trying to pursue that can lead you to harmful desires. And this love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Well, the love of money is idolatry. What is idolatry? It's loving anything more than we love God. He's not saying that it's wrong to be rich. He's saying it's dangerous. It is wrong to have this great desire for riches and make that our primary pursuit in life. He says, by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith. That is, because of the idolatry, they place the desire for wealth, the desire for riches ahead of their desire to know the Lord and wander away from the faith because of that. So the craving of money has caused people to leave the faith because they want money more than they want God, and have pierced themselves with many griefs. Well, he's just talking about they've harmed themselves. Pierced themselves, they'd be like causing self-harm because of their wandering away from the faith. So what's the takeaway from all this? 
Well, the big thing is the authentic Christian life is rooted in love and godliness. That was the basis of sound teaching in chapter 1, love. And the output of the sound teaching is godliness. Godliness is living a life devoted to the Lord, growing in your relationship with the Lord, following the, the teachings of the gospel, and applying that to life. But that is godliness, and that's the big takeaway here. This is what we should be pursuing with a warning. Be careful, because we live in a world where riches are valued, desired, pursued, and it's very easy to make that a priority over knowing and following the Lord. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through 1 Timothy.